Good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody good? Hey, we still going to have some folks. It's only really 10 o'clock to some people. Shh. Shh. It's only 10 o'clock. Don't, don't, don't mess them up, okay? <coughs> Remember, we operate grace and truth, so it's a fun thing. Um, before I get started on the message this morning, I do want to let... Many of you are already aware of this, but we've had a couple of people that are, have experienced loss this past week in the major form, one being <clears throat> Donna Grisham, who uh, lost her precious son, uh, one of my former youth that I love. There'll be a service honoring and celebrating his life tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here. 1 o'clock will be visitation. Um, there is some things to help out. I know um, Jackie and her son uh, and their son Aaron um, they didn't have life insurance, but they did have homeowners. The house is a total loss. I've been with them every step of the way, just walking with them and loving them and just being there. There's not any real true things you can say. There's no magical words you can say. It's a matter of just saying, I'm here. I, I, here's a shoulder. Here's what I can do. And so there are ways you can help financially. Also, if you want to give to the church, you can give to the church. You can give to Jack and them through the church. If you want to give, you can designate it towards Matthew Grisham. We'll be happy to pass that on through there. Uh, also, uh, Sharon Adams, Clinton Sharon, they're relatively new with our church. She lost her mom this week as well at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. She was, had fallen last week and had, had hurt herself. And ended up, the injuries ended up, she succumbed to those. And so our hearts and prayers are with both of these. Just because when you go through something like that, loss is loss. And it's one of those things that you love dearly, especially Matthew spent literally his life growing up here. If I can't even begin, I'll, y'all come tomorrow and I'll tell you about Matthew. Because uh, what an incredible young man. Like, <laughs> like from this high on, he grabbed a hold of me and was like, okay, let's go, boy. We will go. And he did that and lived life to the fullest. And so we're going to celebrate him. But I did want to make you aware of that. I know, Miss Donna, if you're watching online, God bless you. We love you. And we're praying for you as you continue this journey. Um, also, too, um, as I normally do and sometimes do, and sometimes I really feel led again this morning before we jump into the word, because this is going to be for you and for those watching online, those in the auditorium and those online. I want to pray for those who have needs. Um, I know right now that uh, Sharon and Clint and, and Donna and Jackie and Aaron have needs as far as not just physical but emotional and strength that way. <clears throat> but we have other members in our bodies right here that are not in this house, that are not here. And sometimes when we don't see somebody, we think they're okay, but they're not. They're battling illness and disease. We have some that are battling cancer. We have some that are uh, battling physical disorders, some that are battling mental disorders. And so um, I want to pray because God sees it all, he knows it all, and he's aware and wants to be involved in it all. And so that's our heart. The Bible says when we come together, let's pray, and there's strength in numbers. And so I want us to pray together. I'm going to lead us. And if you also have somebody on your heart that you know needs a touch from God, you're just saying, hey, Mark, I know somebody, I got a friend, I got a loved one, it's me, um, I, just, I just need Jesus to move in this situation. If that's you, you can lift your hand to the Lord, it's not for, for me, it's just acknowledging, Father, here we are. And so, Lord, we do come to you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, knowing that, Lord, you, you not only hear our prayers, but, Lord, you're actively involved in answering those. You do it through supernatural means, you do it through natural means, Lord, you do it through the, your servants right here. And so, Lord... I just pray right now for every hand, every heart, every life that, is rec- that has got a hand right up. Lord, thank you right now for moving mightily. You know their, their desperate and dire situation. Lord, we do as a body of believers come against cancer. Lord, we declare that you're greater than, you're over it. Lord, dementia, we say you're greater than, you're over that. Lord, every, every financial problem, every physical, spiritual, emotional problem, Lord, we thank you you're greater than in Jesus You are the great physician. You're still doing miracles. And I thank you for moving in in the lives of these represented. Touch them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Those in the hospital, thank you for Linda. Thank you for Sharon. Lord, thank you for others that you would touch their bodies right now in a very powerful, real way. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen. Thank you, church. 
It's important. It's good to be here in the house with everybody, but we also got to recognize those who aren't in the house. And so uh, we are, today I get to carry on our series on um, the fruit of the Spirit, which we've simply labeled fruition. And uh, for the last five weeks, we've been discovering what Paul intended when he listed nine fruits, but they're not individual. They're individual, but they're not individual. They're not standalone, but they are standalone. There is a, a thing where they go through the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't say the nine fruits. It says the fruit of the Spirit are these nine things. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. And what it's saying is literally these fruits will come into our lives and to be developed and deployed in our lives as we stay in union with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit wants to, we've labeled it fruition, which simply means the ability to produce food. <laughs> Isn't that easy? I mean, we could have done a lot, but it's just that way. And so this ability to bring this forth um, is important. And you ask, why is it so important? I believe just like with Paul, if you look at the condition of our world right now, what we're walking in and what we're living in, um, it's important that, uh, that, that we allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives. Because if not, we're going to allow other things to have their way in our lives. They're going to have our time. They're going to have our attention. They're going to take us in places and get us to post things and say things that are contrary to God and his word. And so what we're here to do, we're just like Jesus, he came to bring life. Guess what? He wants us to bring life as well. And so he wants his life to be lived in us so it can be lived through us. And so... Um, the, the way I like to put it, if we don't have the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us, then it, we're left to our own wants, whims, and wishes. And uh, how many of you know your own wants, whims, and wishes can lead you in some directions that are less than what God has for you? That's the best way I know how to put that, that we've got to be careful. That's why, <clears throat> um, that's why it's important uh, for us to experience that because if not, here's what happens. If we're left our own wants and wishes, we can have what we like to call artificial fruit. Everybody say artificial fruit. Artificial, like fruit that, is, that looks like fruit. You're like, hey, anybody ever looked at a painting and looked like you could pull it off the wall and eat it because some artist is just that good, but you're like, but if you tried to do that, it's not gonna be so good for you. This morning, you know, we've been giving out a little fruity thing every, every week during this. And this morning's no different. I think since we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit and looking at artificial fruit, I thought what better way to demonstrate artificial fruit <laughs> than fruit snacks. And by the way, just so you know, this is what it says. Mixed fruit, natural and artificial flavors. <laughs> So there is a hint of the natural in here, but there's also a, probably a bigger hint of the <laughs> artificial in there. And so let me say this, that we can, um, what artificial, we can, so we can find these nine fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can actually, if we're not careful, we'll try to produce those artificial fruits. So we can have artificial love. We can have artificial joy, artificial peace, artificial patience, artificial kindness. We can have all these things that look good and they have the appearance of it. But really, when you get down to it, it's... Um, Really not as satisfying, not as endearing. It's not sustaining. It's just something that gets me by for the moment. And what God wants to develop in us is that he wants us to develop this in such a way that it's a daily thing. It's not a one-time. I don't work on one thing. He does it all through us and continually produces us in it. Anybody ever, uh, anybody here have any artificial fruit that sits on your table pretty regular? Anybody? It's like, we got it. Sure. There are people that do that. And, and why do we do that? It's because if you leave natural fruit out there for as long as that artificial fruit's been, then, been there, we know what would happen, don't we? It would develop these things called fruit flies. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what those are? Anybody else besides me ever had to deal with them? Afterwards, ask me about it. On second thought, don't ask me about it because I'm trying to forget that. 
And I would say ask my wife, but don't ask her about it because she's still trying to forgive me about that. And so, um, <laughs> because it is the real thing. And uh, we don't want those. She had to convince me that's what they were. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I found something I'd left. <laughs> and went, ooh, that's what those are. I just thought they were gnats flying around the house. Man, I blew that one. Um, anyhow, the reason you got that is because it looks good and it looks tasty. And you got these things and they're like, oh, look, they've got fruit in the house somewhat. And so when we look at this, the fruit, uh, the real fruit versus the artificial it can have a semblance or symbolizes the real fruit, but in truth and honesty, it really isn't, like I said a moment, it's not satisfying. It doesn't sustain us. Uh, now, let me ask you, who in here wants a heaping, helping, uh, like heart full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? I mean, let's get goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self, don't that just sound good? Like, ooh, I want all of that. Man, give me the helping, the full, I want it all. But the problem is, is how we get that sometimes is where the struggle comes in. And so although we love it um, and we know we need it, and like I said a moment ago, we do need it, excuse me, looking at the condition of our world, and battling as believers. Now think of this, church. So we're the ones that God has right now. You and I are the only vehicle that God has to work through right now. Now I know he has his Holy Spirit and he can, he can be everywhere at one time. But we've got to be careful that we're not causing ourselves to simply think, hey, um, that I, I remove myself from God moving and allowing him to do what he wants to in me and do what he wants through me. And so if we're not careful, we can sit and we can develop opinions and thoughts and feelings towards people without ever really getting to know them, the real them. And I want to challenge us this morning as we continue looking at the fruit of the Spirit that we we lean in, we yield to him, we continually uh, allow him to have our way, have his way in our lives so we can make a difference in this world. Um, As I was preparing, this song came to me, and don't ask me, it's my brain how it works, and I don't make apologies for it, but as I was preparing this, this old song came to my mind. It was from the 80s, actually the year I graduated, 1980. Yeah, I'll let y'all figure out how old I am, but it was called Looking for Love. And when I say that, I got to watch out for you because some of y'all go start singing, looking for love in all the room, <laughs> looking for love. See, y'all go keep up. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> and, and I want to say this. He, he was looking for it in all the wrong place, all the wrong faces, and, and, you know, searching the eyes of the ones he was looking for. But let me just say, if we're not careful, we'll go looking for love in all the wrong places. All the wrong faces. We'll go looking for joy in all the wrong places, in all the wrong places. We'll go looking for peace in all the wrong. I could put that on every fruit. We'll go looking for these and we'll find a measure or a false or an artificial representative of that and can experience it for a moment. But God wants to sustain and satisfy us with his Holy Spirit that it gets intrinsic. It becomes who we are. It just becomes out of our inmost being. And so if, uh, when we're looking at this, this, uh, this, this fruit and this artificial fruit, I like to put it this way, this battle that we all f- face, it's, it's in Galatians 5, we'll turn there in just a minute, as we've done every week, we'll read from there. But I like the terminology this way, self versus Holy Spirit. Self versus Holy Spirit. So I'm either going to get it myself or I'm going to yield myself to the Holy Spirit and allow him to produce it in me. And so I want us to turn right now, if you got your Bibles, you can open them to uh, Galatians chapter 5. And I told you a couple weeks ago, actually, man, we've had two incredible um, uh, men that have preached the word. They actually, my son, Mark Anthony, did a great job on patience. And, and Patrick Eads, one of our elders, did a tremendous job on kindness last week. And so this is a, this, I've been out for a few weeks, but I told you, we've been reading from different versions of the Bible. 
And for those who are King James only, um, I get that. I, I'd love to have a conversation with you not to, tra- you know, not to change your mind because some people get so locked in, they think that's the version that Jesus read from. And um, it wasn't. And so they literally like, it's the King James. And I, I don't have any problem with it. It's a great translation of the Bible. And the others are just great translations. But I've been giving you these. So you get to see from a different perspective. It's telling us what this is. This morning, we're, I'm going to be reading. You can read out of the translation you have there. I'm reading from the Good News translation. Okay? And it says, I'm starting. I'm actually backing up a few verses to verse 13. We've been starting in 16, but I said, man, I want to expand a little bit because you guys are incredible theologians and you've already got all that. So I'm going to add three verses to you. And in verse 13, it says, as for you, my friends... You were called to be free, but do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, let love make you serve. Let love make you serve one another. For the whole law is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you act like wild animals, man, I like that. It's like, what? Yes. Anybody here ever had that when it played out in your life? (laughs) Yeah, okay, you ain't got to raise your hand. It's all right. There's grace for all of us. It says, but if you act like wild animals hurting and harming each other, then watch out or you will completely destroy one another. And then it goes on to say, what I say is this, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. For what our human nature, our flesh, our sin nature uh, wants is opposed to what the spirit wants. And what the spirit wants is opposed to what our human nature wants. These two are enemies. And this means that you cannot do what you want to do. If the spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. And then he goes on in verse 22. But this, excuse me, verse 19 what, what human nature does is quite plain. It shows itself in immoral, immoral, filthy, and indecent actions, in worship of idols and witchcraft. People become enemies and they fight. They become jealous, angry, and ambitious. Now, I got to stop right here for just a woman, one minute. Paul is writing this to the believers in Galatia. I just wanted to throw, I had that in my note just to point out real quick because what happens is we, we think that's for them people out there. And it's like, oh, no, he's writing to believers that we need to know, hey, we don't want to be like this. And he goes on to say they separate into parties and groups. They're envious, get drunk, have orgies, and do all other things like these. I warn you now, as I have before, those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, but... And I've shared that word but with you. When you hear the word or you see the word but, you're not trying to focus on what came before. In other words, Paul's saying these are reality. Yes, they're there. Yes, people get involved in those. They get hung up in those. They get hung up in them. But when he says but, what I really want you to focus on is what the Holy Spirit's doing, not what your flesh and not what our flesh has its desire to do. And he says but the Spirit produces love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, or gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things as these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature or their flesh or their sinful desires. With all its passions and desires, the Spirit has given us life. He must also control our lives. We must not be proud or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. Amen. That's the word of God right there. Paul is letting us know that, hey, we all have a struggle. We all have a battle. That our flesh wants to do things contrary to the spirit. That's why we cannot have these. By the way, if you're trying to gain these on your own, it's artificial. (laughs) Because it takes the Holy Spirit to produce, the, to produce the Spirit's fruit inside of me. I like to put it this way. I can't be holy without the Holy Spirit. 
There are many people that are trying to be holy by their actions and they're doing good works and they're doing good things, but they're missing the one ingredient and that is the main ingredient, the Holy Spirit. Like if I'm trying to do this religious activity, I'll get on the hamster wheel of Christianity and I'll just be, I got to do good, 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 good. And I'll just be miserable wearing myself out trying to do stuff because I haven't, I don't have the Holy Spirit that's directing. He's leading and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to gain favor. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to get people to, to like me or I, there's selfish motives that are behind it. And this is why it's important that we understand um, what this, this spirits, these, these fruits, this, this fruit that the Holy Spirit that are, that are broken down into nine different uh, groupings, but that he's trying to produce in us. And so we've looked at the first five. We're on the back side of this. We've already looked at the first five. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And today we're looking at goodness. Goodness. Goodness gracious. <laughs> this word good, <laughs> it is a strange word because everybody thinks they need to go to church so they can be. <laughs> Some people don't come to church because they're not. And people in the church that think they're, <laughs> look at them as being, thank you. <laughs> and so we got to get back to basics and say, hey, I don't come here because of my goodness. I'm here because of his goodness. You're here because of his goodness. And so if I'm trying to rely on my own goodness, man, I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. We've got to be careful. It's God's goodness. Goodness meaning Agatha Sonia, <laughs> for you Greek studies. Agatha Sonia is the way goodness is thing, and it's this goodness. Goodness is this. It's the state of being good. Anything, goodness, the state of being good. Now, when I say that, I've got to qualify some things and quantify some things. Because like I said, artificial this may taste good to some people, but to some people, let's see, how much sugar does it have in it? No, I better not read that. Um, <laughs> some of y'all might get scared. By the way, y'all can all get two or three of these on your way out, help yourself. I bought enough. I'm like, hey, just one may not do that for you. Um, but I did thought, you know, when we look at it, if you open it, they went to such great length and trouble that, um, that they made it even try to look like it. <laughs> Like, here's a strawberry, y'all. <laughs> Everybody wants that strawberry, don't you? It's like, oh, yummy, look at that. My grandson Oliver was over there. He had it out. And he would look at it. Here is an orange slice. Ooh, doesn't that look yummy and delicious? Everybody wants that orange slice. <laughs> here's one. Oh, let's see what else we got in here. Uh-oh, here we got some. We got a cluster of grapes. Now that just, oh, man, I'm telling y'all. I know y'all mouths are watering right now. Uh-oh, 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 I think. Pineapple maybe, I'm not sure. It could be close. I'll let y'all figure that out when you look at it. Anyhow, we've got to be careful because, y'all, when I'm trying to produce my own fruit, it'll look like this in comparison to the real thing. It'll, it'll have an imitation or, or a, a hint or a flavor of it. But it's really not that because if I'm looking on my own goodness, the state of being good, by me and my own self, what ends up happening is I have to, I have to, I have to wrestle with this tension that how good is good enough? And in good in comparison to or who what? Who, who am I comparing my goodness to? And so it becomes subjective when I start thinking of goodness. And it's funny because as we look at this, the writer, Paul himself, who wrote to the church he started at Galatia, he also wrote about goodness to, or being good, to the church at Rome. And in Romans chapter 3, um, Paul's writing to the believers there in Rome, and he's, so you got Jews and Gentiles, and for those of you who are real quick study, Jews were the, the, the faithfulness of God. They were actually God's people all the way through the Old Testament. They kept the word of God. They are his chosen ones there. But now we're all chosen in Jesus Christ. And so Paul's wrestling with this with the Roman church because the, 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 the Jewish people are trying to make the Gentiles become Jews. 
And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 slow down, guys. We have Jesus, who, who we're one new man in Christ. We're all new in Christ. So he's wrestling with that tension with the Jewish people in Romans chapter 3. And he's trying to get them to understand that, hey, your ability to follow the law, the law is good. It's spiritual. But if you think you're going to get there by doing your own good deeds and your good righteousness, your own righteousness, he said, it's not going to happen. It only comes through Christ. And so in, in chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, Paul writing, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one, none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And I'm like, hold it, Paul. None of us have done good. Like I thought I was doing good. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you try to train your children to be good? I want good children. I've always told you, mine and my wife, we, we, I mean, good's good, but I wanted godly children. I didn't want good children. I wanted, I'm telling you, I want to get them connected to the Holy Spirit because he's going to be the one that leads them, guides them. He's the one that has their, their best in mind at all times. So if I can get them connected even at an early age, get them filled with the Holy Spirit, man, this good thing gets knocked out. He begins to develop them at an early age. Instead of you trying to beat it into them, he produces it within them. And you're like, man, that's so much better. It's so much better. He also wrote his own personal struggle in Romans chapter 7. He talks about his own battle of being good. And in Romans 7, 18 through 25a, he says this, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. So Paul came to the conclusion that, you know what, as I really look at myself and I look around and I look inside, man, it's, there's all kind of stuff that goes through me and that I go through all kind of thoughts and feelings and emotion and, and these appetites and all this other stuff that, that pulls on me and that, that develops within me. And he says, nothing, uh, it, there, that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not, for I do not do the good I want to. But the evil I do want to do, this I keep on doing. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> like, help us, Jesus. He goes on to say, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. He goes on in verse 21. So I find this law at work, this truth, this solid, this first truth that's right here, the law. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Like I've got these desires, but yet somehow these other ones can win out very easily sometimes. And he says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I love it. Thank you, Lord. I want to read it. I want to understand it. I want to know it. I want it to know me. Matter of fact, I've told you often, it's not so important about reading God's word as, well, as much as it allowing it to read you. So if I'm reading this and I'm allowing it to read me, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, look what it says. It gets me and it begins to transform me, which is what it's designed to do, to transform me more into his likeness, into who he is and how he operates instead of who I am and how I operate. He goes on to say, but I see another law at work in me waging war, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he comes to this conclusion 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he makes the conclusion and he comes to it. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want to I say this thing. Uh, it is God's goodness that draws us to himself. And God is good all the time. God is good. We got that little saying. You, you say it anywhere in the church. God is good. And God, <laughs> all the time. There you go. That natural response. He is, but we aren't. But God wants us to be. And so as we continue diving a little bit deeper, here's what I want us to know. Our goodness 
our goodness many times is selfish. So when I'm doing good things, I got to be careful. Am I doing it? I mean, there's all kind of motives that can be motivating that. Am I wanting, like I said, am I wanting someone to like me? Am I going to get a, am I going to get a promotion? Am I going to get a raise? Am I going to get something? Am I doing these good things and I'm producing, I'm really like, I'm, I want to be good. I want to do good. Am I, am I within me, am I really just looking out for myself and making my path better? Am I, am I producing something for me? God's goodness, on the other hand, is selfless. So our goodness is selfish. God's goodness is selfless. Like in other words, he's not worried about self. He's God. And he's wanting us to have that same experience that, hey, I'm not worried about me, God. I belong to you. You're going to take care of me. My goodness is subject to me and my thoughts and my, my own surrounding. God's goodness is subject to him and who he is. And so when I talk about my goodness, there's a scale. And I've got to ask myself, who's on the other side of that scale or what's on the other side of that scale? Like I said a moment ago, if we're not careful, we can come to church and we build this, this, this doctrine of goodness and it's done simply by the actions, by what I do, instead of who I am and who God is in me. And so I do these good things, and therefore I'm good, and I, and I hold my own thing. But then when I look, I can even take it to another thing. I start looking at people around me, and guess what happens? I can look at how, I can either look and say, man, they're really good. And I go, ooh, <laughs> oh, man, they're doing, they're so good. And you're like, oh, man, I can't ever, oh, they're really good. Look at that. And all of a sudden you feel worse. Or you can do this. You could look at some other people and look around. And you go, ooh, man, look at that. Ooh, ooh. You can look at the news. You can look at what's going around. Ooh. All of a sudden you start, you're like, whoa, look, I ain't so bad. Look at that. True story, y'all. I've told you this before. But just to go ahead and make you uncomfortable again, um, when I was in jail, <laughs> and not the one you talk about, I was in jail, <laughs> like there for a year in doing streets and highways, I remember sitting there looking around at the other people in there feeling good about myself. <laughs> That's how we could mess up with the good. I'm thinking, I'm looking at these people like, man, I'm glad I'm not as bad as they are. <laughs> sitting in the same place they are. <laughs> Let's be honest. We could get subjective on this thing of being good and we can like, hey, I'm so good. And I'm telling you, We've got to cut that out as believers, and we've got to stop relying on our own state of being good, and that's where the church has been for so long. People don't want to come to church because they think everybody in here thinks they're so good, <laughs> and they don't want to put themselves. I don't want to go in there. Anybody ever heard this? I'd go to church, but the walls would fall in or the roof would fall in, and I always look at them and laugh and say, it ain't fell in yet, and I'm still there. <laughs> You're okay. I've already tested it out for you, and it's all right. So, so if we just simply look at our own goodness and we try to lean into that, and 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 in church, if I'm just if I'm coming to church and I'm good, what it does is it really circumvents and it cuts off the life of God. And instead of receiving real fruit, real love, real joy, like real love is not, hey, what I get, real love is what I give. The same way God did. God's love was demonstrated, not by how good he is. It was demonstrated, his goodness was demonstrated in this. While we were still sinners, doing our own thing, God said, I still love you. I ain't scared. You ain't, you ain't I'm not going anywhere. Matter of fact, I love you more. I'm gonna come right to you. I'm, it does not shake me one bit. And so this whole thing of joy that I'm looking for, many times we look, and, and, and granted, in our culture and what we're looking, many people are looking for joy. I, I'm telling you, I know there's some wonderful comedians that make me laugh, but it's not true joy that gets down in there and just go, you ever sit sometimes and just smile for no reason? <laughs> the Holy Spirit wants to develop that like, hmm, it's going to be okay. And it's usually in some of the darkest moments. He wants to produce that within us. Matter of fact, I pulled up a thing where I had the, uh, hold on, it's got to see my face, y'all. I got it set up that way, just fancy. Um, some of y'all laugh because you're like, that boy does not know technology at all. And I don't. 
So um, I don't pretend to. But it, it, I pulled up a thing that tells the, the counterfeit. So with love, it's, it's, it's something that um, uh, Pastor Mark Anthony and Patrick is through Tim Keller. And love is to serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings you. It's because of our intrinsic value. The counterfeit is selfish affection. Attracted to a person and treat them well because of how they make you. They make me feel about myself. I love you because I, I love how you make me feel about myself. <laughs> True love says, hey, no, I love you because of who I am, not because of who you are, because I'm going to give that love. Same thing with joy, delight in God for sheer beauty and the worth of who he is. The counterfeit is elation that comes with experiencing blessings, not the blesser. Mood swings based on circumstances. I've got joy because I've got my rent paid. I got everything done. I've got this person liking me. I've got, I'm doing good at work. But as soon as that changes, uh-oh, I don't have joy anymore. And it's like, no, it's because God gives that peace, confidence, and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God more than our, your own. The counterfeit, indifference, apathy, I don't care. Patience. The ability to take trouble from others of, or life without blowing up or hitting back. That takes patience, y'all. <laughs> that takes a lot of patience. That takes the Holy Spirit for sure. The counterfeit, cynicism, lack of caring. This is a small, this is too small to be bothered about. Kindness, practical kindness with vulnerability out of deep inner security. In other words, there are some people that refuse to be kind because they've been hurt so much and they're not going to put themselves out there. I'm not going to allow myself to be hurt again. And that's, that's the same because you're blocking yourself off from the kindness of God. Counterfeit, manipulative, manipulative good deeds. In other words, doing good for others so I can congratulate myself and I can feel, like I said, the scale, I can feel I am good enough to, for God and others. And then today's goodness, it's honesty, transparency, being the same in one situation as another. In other words, I don't change. This is who I am, like it or not, <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent, this is who I am. The, the, the counterfeit is truth without love, getting it, getting it off your chest for your own sake. In other words, if you ever want to see that played out, just go online and look at this little thing called Facebook. And everybody's happy to share their, I'm going to get this off my chest right here to the world. Bang, sin. Like, uh-oh. That's why I don't ever get on there. I probably should. One day I'm going to, I keep promising myself I'm going to get on there. But then you got to have time to do that. And then I'll start looking at y'all different. I don't want to do that. I'm like, it's better for me to just pray and go, man, I love you. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I do want to say this. You do have to watch. You're a believer. You're representing Christ. What you post matters. What you, what you view matters to those around you. Look, and you're influencing somebody's life. You want to make sure it's in the right way. And so when we look at, at goodness from God's standard, we looked at that ours. Um, um, I want to look at it from God's, the, you know, the actual, the fruit of good. Goodness is virtue and holiness in action. In other words, like I said, holiness is not what I do for God. Holiness is what I allow God to do in me. What I allow him, it's an overflow of an inward flow. So whatever's going on in here is going to come out here. And so if I'm continually, constantly yielding myself to say, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do in here? In every situation, very real troubling situation, it, is, it, it causes us to continually rely on him instead of our own goodness. I can experience and operate out of his goodness. Virtue, by the way, is this. A lot of people, when we think of virtue, virtue is seeing the right and the wrong and choosing the right. So when you see somebody virtuous, it's not like, oh, they're innocent. They don't even know any better. Like I mentioned a minute ago, I love you because I don't see you online. <laughs> I check every now and again. I still love you. <laughs> It's not what I don't know. See, true love says this. True love, many people love, and this is the false thing of it, is I love you because of what I know about you. 
Truth love says, I know everything about you, and I still choose to love you. That's how God loves you. That's the beauty of this, of this inward working of the Holy Spirit, this virtue that God gives us. It results in a life characterized by deeds motivated by righteousness and a desire to be a blessing. It's a moral characteristic of a spirit-filled person. And it goes on to say, this is, this is what's beautiful about this. Agathosonia, it literally means uprightness of heart and life. In other words, I have God's goodness operating on the inside instead of my own goodness being weighed out in my own mind. And it says that... Um, <laughs> um, that uh, when, I, when I think about this whole thing of, of his goodness and doing that, um, it's not simply being good. So when we talk about goodness for the benefit of others, it's goodness of benefit of others, not for me. And I, I, I made this little note here. It's kind of like the Christmas song, you know, when, we, when we're singing about um, Santa Claus coming to town, you better be good for good. You, you better be good for goodness sake. Some people are good just for goodness sake because they're afraid of what people think. And it's not for goodness, it's for God's sake. It's for him that he works this in us. So um, someone, those of us that are yielding, and that's you, I want all of us, the reason we're teaching, the reason we started this was this. I want you not just to hear a teaching, I want you to experience this. I want you to experience the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience, I want you to experience his love. I want you to experience his joy. I want you to experience his peace, his patience, his kindness, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness. I mean, his gentleness, his self-control. I want you to experience all of that. But you can't have both. You can't have your own and his at the same time. One will win out. Whoever you yield to, you'll experience either the true thing or you'll experience the counterfeit. Matthew 5, Jesus puts it this way when he's talking about good deeds. So let me say, there, good is an action. You want to do good deeds, but we don't good, do good deeds for ourselves. Like I said a moment, we do it for the benefit of others. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus made this statement. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? And glorify you. Glorify your Father in heaven. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. It's bringing glory to God. I don't do good deeds so that I can be praised. I want to do good deeds so he can be praised. I told you at the beginning of the year as I was battling COVID, God said, hey, I don't want you to build a following. I want you to build followers. He wants, us, he wants you to build followers of him. He wants you to help take people on that journey. And so what are some, good, what are some of these good deeds that you could do, that you could be involved in, you could connect with, out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in you. I, right here in our own body, this is what this would look like. Right here in our own body, what could this look like? How could I put this into practice? How could this be played out? Right here in our own body, it would look like something like, I don't know, serving in, in children's ministry, either in children's church or in the nursery, you know, serving in either of those. Why? Allowing moms and dads with little ones, these little guys who need attention, a lot of attention. <laughs> they get to get their needs met. They take a minute, they get to hear from the Lord instead of their child that's sitting there going, Mama, Mama, Dada. <laughs> They'll sit right there and they're like, hey. <laughs> they get their needs met instead of having to look after the needs of their own little ones. So we get to do that. It also may look like being at the front door when people are coming in. Maybe first-timers or those who've been here a thousand times. They get, they get welcomed with a smile, a handshake that lets them know they're wanted, they're welcomed, and they're loved. That's what that would look like. That would be a good It's like, hey, God would say, I want that. I want to see that experience. It, it, may, be, um, it may be spending time. They're those who have the gift of intercession. This is what goodness may look like to you. Spending time on your face before God. Praying for me and pray. I need a lot of prayer as pastor, direction, everything. Praying for the body. Praying for people 
you have that gift. There are people that they that is their gift and operating in that, going, that's what it would look like. Like, man, I just love to get to call out people's names and situations before the Lord. It may look like leading a small group, getting involved in a small group. So people can connect on a deeper level. Just on instead of this, we can connect a deeper level and say you can talk through your faith. You can have questions. You can, you can be known and, and, and needed on a deeper level. It may look like we have a food and clothing ministry here on our property. It's open three days a week, 9 to 12. It may look like going over there and being the face, the hands, and the feet of Jesus when people come in that are in need of food and clothes so that they can receive those without being judged and say, hey, we've got you. We've been thinking about you before you ever got in this situation. Not only that, God's been thinking about you before you ever got in that situation. And here we are to help. And that's a, it's a powerful one. I encourage you. That, that's right here on our property. It's another thing, too, you could give to help support loaves and fishes. By the way, many people may not know this. I know the outside community doesn't. It is all self-sustained. You right here, the believers here, those watching online, there is no government assistance. There's no, we don't get anything from any, any government or anything. It is all you provide that for people. The clothes, the food. And so, I, hey, good job. You do that. That's you. It could also look like every morning there's a communion meal set out here. It could be getting involved to say, hey, how can I help with that? That you have an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper that reminds us, I was a sinner but I'm saved by grace. Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember his goodness. That, man, I don't deserve this, but Jesus, you did it for me. So that right there, you can get involved with that. It could be some of you guys, you're talented. You, you can play instruments and you can sing. Like there's some of y'all can sing and you ain't singing yet. You need, it, it would look like, what's something you could do? You could get involved. You could see Sam Brooks, our worship leader and I've told you often, you don't want me to operate in that gift. I don't have it. I can sing, and it makes a joyful noise to the Lord, but some of you would be like, turn the mic down quick. Turn it. That's what they do at the end when we start. We're going to start singing in just a minute. At the end when I start singing, they turn mine off and go, hey, for your sake, not for mine. It's like, Jesus, I, my mouth's moving and I sound good. Like, oh, yeah, wow. Man, that sound, I sound a lot like Sam right now. That sound good. <laughs> It may look like, um, it might look like AV. There's a guy, there's people right now. For those of you who are watching on, online and that will watch later, there's a man back here mixing right now. This sound, he does it. I mean, there's people that are doing that. You could, that was what that would look like right here in our body. And I could go on and on. There, so we have an academy here. We have an academy on our site. You could actually see Principal Zangla and talk to her and say, hey, how can I get involved to make a difference in the lives of students? We have 200, almost 260 students on this campus every day. That's your academy. It's not mine. And you can make it. There's 40 churches represented right here on this campus every day. And there are, there are kids, children. Miss Ligon would get real quickly. I, I heard kids and I heard Miss Ligon like, uh kids are sheep. I'm like, that's right. Children, there are children that will that need your guidance. You could actually say, hey, how, how can I get involved to make a difference right here? Outside of here, it may look like inviting a, a coworker or a friend to lunch that's having a struggle and say, hey, let me hear your story. Let me just be there for you. It could mean uh, actually taking somebody here that you may have a struggle with. Let's be honest, in a group this size, there's somebody has a struggle Hey, can I take you to lunch? I just, or can we sit down, go for coffee? I just want to hear your story. Let's, let's talk this out. It may mean after you leave here. <laughs> Here's another one. We have, a, we, have a, a, we have a group that meets today, 430, inviting somebody you know struggling, confront somebody that's battling a habit, uh, a hang-up, or a hurt. You can invite them. We have a ministry here that meets on this campus three times a week called Celebrate Life. It's for those who are recovering from life-controlling issues. As far as alcohol and drugs, it's right here. Cornell Osborne runs that. You could actually invite them and say, hey, I'll come with you. I'll spot, come with, I'll be with you. Instead of telling them what they're doing wrong and saying, you need to stop that. You need to quit. <laughs> hey, come here. Let me go with you. Let's, let, let's, hey, come, come with me. Let's go to this meeting. 
and go with them. It could mean looking around and finding somebody's yard to clean up that they're not able to. Maybe their house is struggling in that area. It may mean today when you leave here, some of y'all going to go to a restaurant and y'all going to eat real well and people are going to serve you. It may mean leaving them a big old honking tip, even if they weren't a great waiter or waitress. Some of you be like, oh, isn't that rewarding bad behavior? It might be encouraging somebody that's having a bad day that just aren't into it. Might just be having, man, they woke up, had a bad day, and I'm going to do this because I got I to gotta pay rent. I got to pay the electric bill, and I'm going to love you just because I love you, because of who I am, not because of who you are. James 1 says it best, goodness is not a quality we manufacture. It's something he manufactures in us. Every good and, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. As, I'm going to ask the worship team to come here just a minute. The reason I want them to come up, and they're going to sing for us for a moment. What have you been producing? What, what kind of fruit's coming out? Is it just a little bit and kind of feels a little awkward? You know, when you're being led by the Holy Spirit, it, it's, there's no... There's no angst. There's no worry. There's, it's, it's literally, it is the most joyous life you ever, and God wants you to experience that, even in the midst of hardship. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm going to say in the midst of it, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the beating and the, the shame of the cross because he, the Holy Spirit, he was continually yielding to him, continually yielding himself to the Father. And I've asked them to take just a minute and could I ask us, what's up, guy? I love it when kids come. You know, I, Jesse, this is Jesse Pilkington coming up here, one of my son's college friends. He actually was on Jekyll. I love it. That's when I saw him. I was worshiping. I'm like, Jesse, what's up, man? Love that guy. Also, I ain't going to mention any names, Jimmy Guffey. <clears throat> Hanging out here. Love you, bro. We were both youth pastors. This is uh, pastor of Centerpoint. I didn't mean to, don't mean to embarrass you, but I saw him. You're good. I know he's good. That, uh, we were both youth pastors. He was at Northside. I was here. I just stayed here. He had to go somewhere else because he had to get that. But he started Incredible Church out there off exit 29. Um, we're here in the house. God bless you, man. I love you. But I want us to take just a minute, if we could. David put it this way in Psalm 139. Search me, God. Try me, God. See if there's anything in here that's contrary to the way you act, contrary to the way that you operate. And then if you see that and you recognize that, this isn't a shame tact. This isn't, hey, feel bad about it. Feel real bad about it. <laughs> this is where we say, God, I don't want that. You don't want that. I give that to you. That's what this is. This is what repentance looks like. I turn towards him. I don't just turn away from doing something. I don't try to white knuckle stuff. I turn towards him and say, Father, hey, I don't, I, you see that, I see this. I don't want that there. I give it to you. Here, take it. Thank you, Lord.